Turn in the scriptures, please, this evening to the book of Proverbs in the 28th chapter. Proverbs 28 and the 20th verse. Proverbs 28, 20. It says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. <laughs> But he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You know, the further I go, the more I, the more clarity I get on what I'm to be about and what I'm to do, who my father is, what he is. My objective is not just to be rich. My objective is to be blessed and to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Which is the purpose for me being blessed beyond myself is to be able to do beyond myself. And here he says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Does that sound good to you? Abound. Abound is way beyond Need met. Abound has to do with abundance. Overflow. That's the reason why Jesus said he came. He said the reason the devil comes. Is to steal something from you. To kill something in your life. To destroy something in your life. But Jesus said I am come. That you might have life. And have it what? More abundantly. Hallelujah. The Amplified says that you might have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows. That's abounding. That's abounding. And a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Let me read some other translations of this to you. Young's literal says a steadfast man has multiplied blessings. Whoso's hasting to be rich is not acquitted. NIV, a faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Now you so why do you keep reading that other part? Because it goes with it. <laughs> we've been on a series here recently called One Master, and we've gotten quite in depth into covetousness. And we're on a mission to stamp out covetousness in our lives. And uh, what we've begun to see is that the devil is the original con man. You learn volumes about his nature and how he operates by realizing he is one who transforms himself into something else to take from you what you should have and we see that you being rich is the will of God. Rich in every good thing to do his will. But wanting to get rich quick, that's another thing. And being eager to get rich, the scriptures actually condemn that and tell you that it's evil. It's just quiet around here, isn't it? Uh, we got into it. I'm not going to teach on it, I don't think, but 
Uh, all of it's available. You can get it. It won't cost you anything. But we, we saw how that God's not going to be any, anything that replaces him. And beware of the big deal. The one big deal that's going to take care of everything and set you for life. That's not how he works. Uh-oh, did I lose somebody? <laughs> no. No, he's, there's not going to be anybody, no rich person or no connection with a rich company that you don't even have to pray and believe God and sow and stand anymore. They're just going to take care. They're, you're going to ride their coattail from here on out. That's not God. No, and the one big deal that's going to set you for life, that's not how he does it. And this eager to rich, you don't just want to be rich. You don't just want to have a bunch of stuff. You want to be blessed. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, and be enabled to be a blessing yes. to other people. That's what you want. Which means you're not hungry for the money. You're not hungry for the stuff. That's just tools to do what you need to do. Amen. You need some. You need plenty of it. But that's it's secondary. It's Helping you to do it. What you want to be. Is a faithful. Man or woman. Who's blessed. (laughs) Richly. (laughs) Let me read some other translations. The complete Jewish Bible. Says it like this. A trustworthy person. Will receive many blessings. But one rushing. To get rich. Will not go unpunished. Easy to read means people who can be trusted will have many blessings, but those who are just trying to get rich in a hurry will be punished. A faithful person will have an abundance of blessings. It's not just about pushing our way to abundance of resources. You know, I saw this in the area of healing years ago. There was a couple that came and they had a daughter. This has been 25 plus years ago. And uh, the daughter was sick. And uh, we ministered to them for a couple of weeks. And I could tell that. I could just sense in my spirit. They're not receiving. They're not connecting. This is not happening like it needs to happen. And, and I spent some extra time praying about it. And, and I didn't see a vision per se. But I saw this inside myself. It's like they didn't really care about God and the things of God. They're desperate because they can't find anywhere else to get help for their daughter. And they don't want to get any closer to God than they have to to get to healing. And then they want to go back to their life. And that was a problem. That's a problem. Because if you'll seek first his kingdom His right things, all those things will be added to you. But wherever your treasure is, what you value the most, that's where your heart will be. And how many know your heart's supposed to be in Him above everything else? And so the same thing with money and resources. Yeah, we need some money for our, our churches and our ministries and our personal lives. But it must not just be about money. And you must not just have money on the brain morning, noon, and night. 
must not be that way. But it must be about pleasing him. Finding his will. Doing his plan. Doing his will. And believing that he's big enough. If it was his idea, he can sure pay for it. Right? It can't get too big for him when it's his idea. And so with that, you take a completely different emphasis. Instead of trying to get the money to do stuff, you're endeavoring to please him and be faithful to do what he told you to do. And those are two very different things, aren't they? I heard uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland say decades ago that the Lord told him, you know, don't try to get the money in, try to get the word out. (laughs) Work on getting the word out. And it's the Lord's job to get the money in. Right? It's his job to deal with people. Not our job. And so you'll see. Uh, In this text right here, what did it say? What kind of person is going to abound in blessings? A faithful person. So is it our job to work on the blessings abounding to us? No. That's not our job. What's our job? Being faithful. That's our job. The blessing part is his part. The faithful part is my part. You'll find this over and over again. People like to focus on God's part. (laughs) And not talk about theirs. Don't they? They do. They just want to focus on God's part. You know. We've been talking about that Matthew 6.33. We've got a series going on that right now. And what did that say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. What part of that verse do people like to shout about? All these things, right? Whose part is that? That's not your part, right? So why do you want to camp on that all the time? (laughs) And I'm going to say something else right here that's real bold. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time, would it? There's a whole lot of emphasis on grace right now. And grace is one of the biggest words in the New Testament. You don't want to say anything negative about grace. Grace is one of the most amazing things that you could ever talk about. But grace is God's part. It's not your part. Our part, how many remember Ephesians? How are you saved? By grace are you saved through faith. Grace is God's part. There'd be nothing to believe, nothing to receive if grace hadn't done it. But grace alone is not going to get it to you. (laughs) I said grace alone is not going to get it to you. It's not going to get it done. What's that going to take? Without faith, you won't receive, you won't overcome. Is that right? That's why the Bible didn't say the just shall live by grace. No. <laughs> Did it? No, no. Bible didn't say the just shall walk by grace and live by grace. Mm-mm. Didn't say this is the victory that overcomes the world. God's grace. Did it? 
Didn't say without grace. It's impossible to please him. Did it? Grace is not your part. Grace is God's part. Do we need to work on God's part? God's never messed up on his part. Never. He's never come short on his part. He's never been laid on his part. Never. Ever. We don't need to just camp on his part all the time. We need to get on our part. And do our part. And how many believe as surely as you do your part. His part. What he said is going to happen when you do that. It's going to happen. Every time. You don't have to make God's part happen. That word's already in effect. The power's already there. The moment we act in faith and comply and do our part of the verse, then here comes the rest of it. What kind of man or woman's going to abound with blessings? So do we need to camp on the abounding and blessings part? No, no. We need to work on the faithful part. Don't you think we ought to do that? The truth is, many of God's people simply don't qualify for more. That's the truth. Many don't qualify for more because they haven't been faithful with what they've been given already. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> I've got some before. <laughs> The only thing that matters about this is not, you know, I don't want to agree with Brother Keith or not. Is this the word or not? Is this in the word? Go to Luke. Let me give you some scripture. Go to the book of Luke. <laughs> Luke chapter 16. It's not about begging God to bring us to another level and increase us. He doesn't need talking into it. <laughs> It was his idea. (laughs) And it's not about pushing and and demanding to get to another level of increase. It's about qualifying. I said qualifying. God can move resources on this planet. He can give you favor. He can open doors the size of Texas. Come on, are you listening to me? He can move billions without picking up the phone. Do you believe it? There is no shortage on his side of ability. What there is a shortage of. And we're going to see, I'm going to show you this in the scriptures, very, very clear and plain. There is a severe shortage of faithful people. I know maybe we don't like to think that, but it's Bible. It's Bible. So if you or me were not abounding with blessings, (laughs) what conclusion should we come to? That scripture has passed away. (laughs) It applies to some other group of people. Other than me. (laughs) 
If you or me not abounding in blessings, what should we conclude? <laughs> Put it back up on the screen for us. Proverbs 28, 20. 28, 20. Make sure, check up on me. Make sure I'm reading this right. What did it say? A faithful man under certain conditions sometimes. What? What does shall mean? Shall sounds like a law. Doesn't it? You jump off the house, you shall go down. Is that right? (laughs) Why? It's a law. I don't care what color you are, what age you are, what gender you are, right? Right. Works for everybody the same. Does this sound the same way? How many believe you can take the word of God if the Bible says this shall happen, you do this and this shall happen? Are we to take it like it's a law? It's the word of God. It'll happen every time for anybody anywhere. Is this true? A faithful man shall. Abound with blessings. Abound. That's overflow. Well, what if you're not abounding with blessings? <laughs> What'd be the first place to look? First place to look is right here. And examine myself. Have I been faithful with what I've already been given? Am I a faithful person? Selah. <laughs> do you believe if we need some adjustments the Lord will help us and we'll get them and we'll make them right and why would he talk to us about these things what's his will we read in the offering God been thinking about you is that right what was he thinking about you blessing you right more and more you and your children but in order for him to add more to you or me we have to qualify. We have to qualify. And it's not being righteous by the law. It's not keeping the law. It's qualifying being faithful in what he has already given to us. Go to, to Luke, please, 16th chapter. We'll begin about verse 10 here. I'm going to read uh, from the, the Weist translation. If we have that, and if not, I'll just read it to you. You can listen. But Luke 16 and 10, Jesus is speaking here. Luke 16, 10, Jesus said, He who is faithful in very little and therefore can be relied upon is faithful also in much and can be relied upon there. That is the definition of faithful. If you look at the Hebrew words and the Greek words, they mean very similar things. It basically means that which is stable, that which is steady, like a foundation. To me, the word we use today, reliable, sums it up. To be faithful, same word sometimes translated trustworthy. To be faithful is to be dependable. To be reliable. To be trustworthy. And you're talking about the character and nature of our God. Aren't you? God. If we say what is faithful? In a sentence. God. God is faithful. 
He is completely dependable. (laughs) He is utterly reliable. He is worth all of your trust. If he said it, can you rely on it? Absolutely, completely. I'm telling you, heaven and earth can pass away. But his word will not fail and will not pass away. He is completely reliable. How about you? (laughs) Or me, right? We know he's faithful. But all of this is not dependent upon his faithfulness. A part of it's connected to our faithfulness. Let me keep reading. He who violates law and justice in a very little thing does the same also in regard to much. Since you therefore, if you're not faithful in the use of the riches, which are the object and desire of the unrighteous world, who will entrust you with that wealth which is genuine? Now, here he compares, put that up on the King James for us there. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, now he calls all the wealth and riches that you could access in this world, in this life. In essence, he's saying that's not true riches. And that have to be true because nothing down here is going to last is going to make it past this age. The earth itself is going to melt with fervent heat. So any riches that you and I would handle, naturally, are not true riches. But the way we handle them either qualifies or disqualifies us for handling true riches, both now and here and later. It's the opposite of what many have thought. Many have said, oh, God don't care about any of this natural stuff down here, any of this natural money and natural things. He don't care about that. That's not true riches. Well, they got part of that right. It's not true riches, but they're acting like nothing you do or don't do with it matters. According to Jesus, what you do with these transient, not true riches, determine if you're qualified to handle true riches. Am I reading this right or not? If you hadn't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Let me break it down real plain here. If you wouldn't obey God with $50, why should he trust to you a revelation that impacts the body of Christ? If you'll mishandle that, according to Jesus, you'll mishandle something big too. Most people don't believe that. Most people don't believe what Jesus said right here. They don't. I'm talking about Christian people. They'll tell you in so many words, well, you know, this little piddly thing I'm dealing with right now, that's, that's not my call, you know. And without saying it, they're like, this is really beneath me and my abilities. But if I had something serious, I would rise to the occasion. And you would see the real gifts in me shine. And I say, bunk. (laughs) Not so. Because Jesus said, it's not true. Jesus said, how many believe what Jesus said? 
Back up to verse 10. Let's make sure we get it right. He that's faithful in that which is what? Least. Least. What does least mean? What people around you would call trivial, insignificant, unimportant. The thing itself may be unimportant. How you handle it, however, is of the utmost importance. Because it determines how quickly or even if you get more. That's good. True or not? Now, there's a lot of ways you can get things. <laughs> you can get money. You can get things. There's people in this world that have a lot of money and a lot of stuff, and God didn't give it to them. They got it through lying, through stealing, through just some natural means, or some people gave it to them and missed God when they gave it to them. <laughs> that has happened many times. Or their parents worked hard and gave it to them. Or whatever the case might be. There's all kind of ways you can get things without God giving it to you. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Lord adding it to you. And the blessing of the Lord. It makes you rich. And there's nothing negative that comes with it. He adds no sorrow to it. Now, you can do some stuff and get some stuff, but if the Lord didn't add it to you, it comes with baggage. And it comes with sorrow. And a lot of stuff people have gotten, they wish they didn't have it after they got it. It was just a burden. It was a distraction. It was a weight. But... (laughs) And there's a whole lot of testimonies in this room about people that added stuff to their self. <laughs> we won't get into that. Just look straight ahead and go, Amen. Amen. Brother Keith, that's, somebody needs to hear this. I'm talking about the Lord adding it to us. And when He adds it to you, it's the right way. It's the right time. It's through the right channels. And there's nothing but blessing that comes with it. There's nothing negative about having it or using it or being a part of it. Because it came from the Lord. And it came in the blessing. And you can enjoy it in the blessing. And use it in the blessing. Sow it to somebody else in the blessing. There's no curse. There's no sorrow. Nothing negative about it. But in order for him to add it to you. It's going to come his way. You have to do what he said. You'll have to be faithful. You have to do it his way. We have to be faithful. And if he's going to add more to us, we'll have to be faithful right here, right now, with what we have. Even if it seems small. Because the size of it is not the issue here. Who knows about it is not the issue God's not looking at the size. How many understand somebody that's handling 10 billion to God? That's no big deal. You cannot impress God with a big check or a big number. He creates stars. To him, it's always about the heart. He's looking at your heart. And what he says here and what he knows is whatever you would do, 
with a small opportunity. Whatever you would do with a small amount, you're showing your heart. I'm showing my heart. And you know who he's looking for? He's looking for somebody that takes a $5 assignment seriously. He's looking for somebody that'll minister to two people with everything they got and not feel sorry for themselves because their crowd's not a certain size. Come on, are y'all with me or not? And not make excuses for being lax and loose and lazy because their place is not very big or very new. He's looking for somebody that'll rub that old place until it shines. Come on, are you listening? He's looking for somebody that'll pray all night and study and preach their heart out to those three people like they were preaching to 20,000. Come on, same thing, same way. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. And he knows whatever you'll do with that five and ten dollars, you would do with five and ten thousand and five or ten million. He knows you would. Ever how you'd handle ministering to that one person, you'd minister to a larger group. That's just your heart. And people who think, no, if I had some real opportunities, I'd rise to the occasion. It's just a lie. It's not true. I know you think that, but I'm going to go with what Jesus said. I'm going to believe that. He that is faithful in a very little, therefore can be relied upon, is faithful also in much, and can be relied upon there. He who violates law and justice in a very little thing does the same also in regard to much. Verse 11. Since you therefore were not faithful in the use of the riches which are the object and desire of the unrighteous world, who will entrust you with that wealth which is genuine? Friend, this alerts us to the existence of genuine wealth. True riches that never fade. There are true riches that last forever. And you can qualify for them here and now. Whew. Verse 12. And in view of the fact that you are not faithful in the use of that which belongs to another person. Not everybody's supposed to be the head of something. In fact, did you know there's a number of people who started their own work and started their own ministry who really are supposed to be a helps ministry to somebody else? And would be a greater blessing to the body of Christ if they were. But their big motivation was their spouse and their mama and their pride, and they want something with their name on it. And so they struggle. (laughs) But we just waded right off into it tonight, didn't we? You told me you're believing God with me, right? Huh? (laughs) I know uh, when the Lord dealt with us to go to Arama, and I had the opportunity to serve there in the healing class, and we did for years. And oh, about five years into this, I was in a big meeting there in Tulsa at another place. And a well-known man of God, internationally known man of God, if I called his name, a lot of you'd know him, called me out. He didn't know me. He'd seen me, but he didn't know me. We, he had no personal contact. 
He called me down front. It's a big crowd in the place that night. He said, uh, by the word of the Lord, he said, you're not supposed to only be a helps ministry the rest of your life. You're supposed to have your own ministry. And that's, that's a word, isn't it? And when he said it, I knew it was right. I knew, I knew it wasn't him. It was the Lord talking to me. And so we stayed and helped the Hagans for another 15 years. <laughs> Why? Well, a call is not the same thing as you being developed to step out in the call. There's a lot of people who are called to something, but they think they can do it right now and don't realize that the plan of God is training under others, sometimes for decades. But in our uh, microwave drive through just add water world, <laughs> that does, and that's never appealed to the flesh. But don't we see that with Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy? Don't we see it over and over again? We see people training under others and learning and developing and, and growing. And uh, I knew that in my heart that I was supposed to be under him. And so Phyllis and I both helped under the Hagans. And what the Bible say, if you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? If you're supposed to have your own or, or lead in some way, that doesn't just mean you can jump up and do it today necessarily. Uh, there can be the issue of being faithful under someone else for a length of time. And a lot of times you're, you're supposed to be faithful in that capacity till you go home to be with the Lord. There was not something else that you were supposed to do. But anyhow, if it's theirs, you should do it their way. I'm quoting scripture. I'm quoting 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. We'll get to that eventually, I believe. But faithful, let me say it like this. The Lord gave me a phrase actually some time back. Being faithful doesn't just mean you do it the best you know how. Being faithful means you do it the way you're told. <laughs> Which can be radically different from how you think best. <laughs> if it's not yours, if it's somebody else in leadership and you're called to help them, you're called to help them do it the way they have it in their heart it should be done. Amen. And if you're not faithful with that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? You don't qualify. And if you do, cause them problems doing it your own way. If you do ever get it to where you got your own that you're leading, guess what kind of people you'll have? <laughs> people that's been just like you that were hard to deal with and always had their own idea and their own plan because that's what you sowed 
Whoopee. <laughs> you know you can you can look for your ears to be tickled. Preacher, preacher, scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> or you can go for the truth. And a lot of times, a lot of times, the truth will stand you up and sit you down, <laughs> turn you around. Is that right? But what else will the truth do for you? It will make you free. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed, completely free, unquestionably free. The devil's very subtle. He's very crafty. And he comes in and people's pride and other things make them susceptible and vulnerable. And so you see all kind of folks jumping out of where God put them because they refuse to submit. They refuse to stay and learn and be trained. And they got this fantasy of having their own and having their name on it and this and that. And what you'll see is many people out of their place, out of their grace, and they're not abounding with blessings because they were not faithful in the small thing nor were they faithful in that which was another man's and regardless of how things have been in the past do you realize you're still breathing huh could have some more days could have some more time God's still on the throne is that right his word is still true is it too late to be faithful it is not too late to be faithful. Tell me what will happen for a faithful man. He will abound in blessings. Let me read in the, the complete Jewish Bible. He says, someone who's trustworthy in a small matter is also trustworthy in large ones. And someone who's dishonest in a small matter is also dishonest in large ones. So if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with the real thing? If you haven't been trustworthy with what belongs to someone else, who will give you that which ought to belong to you? The Message Bible says it like this. If you're not honest in the small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? <laughs> I mean, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't clean out the, uh, the storage bin and the janitor's closet like they told you to, they'd be a fool to let you run the store. Wouldn't they? Because it's just it's daydreaming to think, well, they didn't listen to me about that little thing, but they'll straighten up and listen to me on the big thing. They'll realize this is important. No, Jesus said they won't. So if you want to know how somebody would run the place, Hand them a broom. Hand them a broom. Or a mop. Right? And if they can't be bothered to show up, then you got your answer right there. <clears throat> what you want to do now? <laughs> you know, I've had preachers lie to me about offerings. More than once. Yeah. I was at a place 
one time some years ago. Thank God, not a lot. Not a lot. But how many think it ought never happen? I was in a service, fair-sized church, and uh, they received an offering for me. I didn't ask them for one, but they told everybody, this is Brother Keith's offering. If you say this is Brother so-and-so's offering, what's supposed to happen with that? Does anybody know? How much of it? Are you sure? (laughs) Well, I didn't ask them for an offering. But anyway, at the last part of the service, the word of knowledge began to come to me. And I mean, several things that no way I could have known, no way they could have known, except the Lord said it to us, showed it to us. Word of knowledge and healings and good things. And this is back many years ago, and this uh, pastor brought me, took me to the airport. My flight was leaving, a commercial flight later that night, and he took me in. He handed me an envelope, and he dropped his head, and he said, Brother Keith, I'm sorry, but the offering wasn't very good. But here's what it is, and we're glad you came. And the word of knowledge is still operating in me. I don't know why people think that you could hear from God in a service, but 45 minutes later, you can't hear God anymore. He handed me, when he said that, the Spirit of God, I wasn't expecting it at all. Spirit of God said, the offering was very good. And I realized, he's just standing there lying to me. Well, I also saw, years later, they had all kind of financial problems. They're not abounding in blessings. Come on, can you see this? No doubt they did that with other people too. I've had people that made a big pull, and I don't like for them to do that. But they went on and on, and later on you find out why. Because months pass, and your offering never comes. That they made such a big pull for people to give to you. Month after month after month after month after month. (laughs) And six months later they send word that they'll soon be able to send it. Well, really? What's going on? What's happening? And the thing is, I'm in a situation like that. Thank God that hadn't happened very many times. In 30 years... That might have happened half a dozen times, that kind of thing. And I'm not, it's not about me getting any money. I'm thinking, this can cost you. You can get in trouble, right, with God. This can hinder you from getting your bills paid, right? If you're not faithful in that which is another man's, what the scriptures say, who's going to give you? That which is your, in other words, you're not going to get it. This kind of thing should not happen. Anywhere in the body of Christ. Is that right? Nowhere in the body of Christ. If we say this is what the money's going for, that's what it better go for. All of it. Every time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How many think? Everybody awake? I know you, I can see you, or you're like, what's he going to say now? Just hold on. (laughs) How many think, this word production center right here, that Keith and Phyllis Moore shouldn't take any of that money 
and buy us a car with it. Uh, are you sure? Huh? Is it would be okay sometimes? Are you sure? <laughs> to take any of that money and put it on a house for us or or a car for us. Would that be okay? To take God's money. How about you? Is the tithe belong to the Lord or not? Well then it is okay for Christians to take the tithe and spend it on themselves and their kids. What would be the difference? Is there any difference between those two? See some, some church going folk that would just spit cotton if they thought a preacher did that are doing the very same thing. Aren't they? Because they don't tithe. They don't acknowledge that a portion of it's holy and belongs to the Lord. And they're doing the very same thing that they were so violently condemned. So if you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is under? If you're not faithful in that which is least, you won't be trusted with more. This is the way the Lord does it. If it's going to be him adding it to you, you have to demonstrate faithfulness. And you're not going to start off with the huge amount or with the biggest job. He's going to give you a small. And it'll be time to show your heart. Won't it? Go with me to the book of Acts. Let's look at a couple of examples here. And begin to get stirred up. The only reason you'd be sad about this. Is what? You're not sure. You haven't decided if you're going to be faithful or not. Right? That'd be the only reason. Because <laughs> if you already made up your mind. You're going to be faithful. What's going to happen to you? You're going to abound with blessings. You're going to increase. God's going to add more and more to you as you prove faithful in what you have now. More and more is going to come under your control and under your hand. You're going to be trusted with greater and greater and greater as you prove yourself faithful with each step. In the Acts, book of Acts, I want us to look at a couple of things. You'll find in the New Testament that one of the greatest endorsements that they gave anybody is to say that they were faithful. Read it and study it for yourself if, if that sounds strange to you. I, I saw it afresh and anew today in a way I hadn't seen it before. It was a Holy Ghost endorsement for an elder to say that you were faithful. Paul said it about Timothy. He said it about some others. John did. Others did. And uh, you watch a lot of things they didn't go into. About how much scripture they could quote. Or how many hours a day they prayed. Or anything like that. They'd just they'd sum it up with that one word. They'd say I'm sending so and so. He's a faithful brother. And for that to come from Paul or John or Peter, come on, are you listening? The church would went, okay, that's all we need to know. Right? Somebody say faithful. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and that verse we referred to in Corinthians, it's required 
in a steward that a man be found faithful. And in the end, after this life is over, after all of this is done, what is going to be the big question? Have you read in the scriptures? When we uh, stand before the Lord and give an account of what we've done or didn't do, what's going to be the big question? It's not going to be who had the biggest numbers. It's not going to be who was the most on the most TV or the most well-known. You don't see any of that. What do you hear? You were faithful with a few. Now, I'm going to make you ruler over many. You were faithful with a small. Now, I'm going to make you ruler over much. Well done. Good and faithful. Do you want to hear that, child of God? How's the, the Lord ain't going to lie for us. <laughs> is he? Is he going to stand up in front of everybody and call us faithful when we weren't faithful at all? When we were told? He's not. He's not. But he want, can, can you believe he wants to? He wants to. We've got to give him something to work with. And uh, I believe I'm talking to a house full of people. And at Sarasota and by the internet, your heart says, yes, I want to be faithful. Right? I purpose to be faithful. And by the grace of God, with his help, I will stand before him one day. Come on, faith people. I'm I'm talking to faith people. Say it out loud. By the grace of God, I will stand before the master and hear well done. well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful, sir. You know that's going to happen quicker than yes. we think. Yes. Very, very soon we're going to be there. How many believe our time we have down here is precious? Precious. It's so small. It's passing by. So quick. And so many things that people think's important is not important. What God's looking at is the heart. What kind of heart pleases him? Faith. What is faithful? It takes faith to be faithful. They're interconnected. Go with me to the book of Acts, please, and the sixth chapter. Let's look at a couple of examples of how God works, how he he does these things. Because he never changes. The way he worked with them this is the New Testament here, book of Acts. The way he worked with them will be exactly the way he works with us. In Acts 6 and verse 1, these are relatively early days and times in the church. And the Bible said, you remember that they had come and, and got full of the Holy Ghost and they got free hearted and they sold uh, lands and houses and they brought money and, and they made tremendous resources available to the leaders of the ministry and they used that so that nobody in the church and we were talking about thousands and thousands of people that none of them went hungry all of them had their needs met uh, those widows and, and, and older and, and orphans everybody had what they needed of course you know you couldn't count on the Roman government to take care of all these folks yeah, could you? Yeah. you weren't a citizen in Rome you weren't anything and uh, it said uh, the number of the disciples was multiplied. This is after thousands had been saved on a single day. And then again, this is a big church. 
I think you could easily say scores of thousands. And the number had multiplied. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. There were some folks that were missed. Verse 2. The twelve called the multitude of disciples to them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Is this still true about the ministry? It's not a matter of thinking you're too good to do some manual work. That's got nothing to do with it. And there are times when you should and you ought to. But you cannot minister on the level that you're supposed to if you're always doing the natural jobs. And it's pitiful if you've got a church full of people and none of them doing anything and you trying to do all of it. That's sad. Right? Right? No, you're going to have to spend time in the Word. You're going to have to get quiet. And a lot of times it's not just that you're sitting in your office or you're praying, but just having to have your mind on all these other things and then rush in at the last minute to preach or to teach, it's going to take the edge off of you. Right? I'm talking about the stronger anointing. It's just they knew it. We should know it. It's not reasonable to leave the Word of God, and especially when you got all these people just sitting and doing nothing. Right? It's unreasonable. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of a Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. What business? The business of serving food. Getting meals to people. It's amazing to me that people have taken this and decided deacons had a right to run the business of the church. It's ridiculous. No, the business of waiting tables. That's what it was about. They're waiters. They're distributing food. Did you hear that word distribute? That sums up the idea of stewardship. Verse 4. We'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Keep going. Saying, please, the whole multitude, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost. You might think he was overqualified to wait tables. But God didn't think he was overqualified to wait tables. If you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. We know from the reading the rest of the book of Acts, this man's got a strong call on his life. God plans to do some strong things through him. But right now, you don't see that and know that. Right now, it's about what? Serving tables. Hmm? And doing in a godly way. And there was another man named Philip. Have you ever read about Philip? Does God have a plan for Philip? What's his plan right now? Serving tables. <laughs> and do they get to serve tables the way they want to serve tables? No, the way they're told to serve tables. Faithful means doing it the way you're instructed. A man full of faith, the Holy Ghost, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, keep going. They set them before the apostles. When they prayed, they laid their hands on them. Verse 7, the word of God increased, the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And verse 8, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. 
something began to happen. Do you reckon he was faithful serving tables? No question about it. No question about it. There's no way Stephen had a stinky attitude and griped to other people about why they weren't acknowledging his gifts. There's no way. We wouldn't be reading about it. There's no way. He brought meals to people and was two hours late and it was cold. Hmm? And when he got there, Said, you well, if it buy me a new donkey, <laughs> this old junk equipment I'm working with here, you can't expect anybody to get a job done. Somebody say unfaithful. unfaithful. That's unfaithful. That's being unthankful. How many think if you're doing anything for the things of God, you ought to be thankful? God. Should you? Thank you. Should you? Yes. Man, if you're sweeping the sidewalk, if you're waving the flashlight, if you're changing a stinky diaper. How many believe if it's involved with the church or the ministry and accomplishing the will and plan of God, it takes on kingdom significance. It takes on eternal value. And if you don't value it, then you don't qualify. And one way you see whether you value it or not, or whether you're thankful, or whether you're complaining. There's no way Stephen got there to people's homes and was bitter and sowed bitterness into them when he brought their cold meal. And said, I've been working out here for all this time. And you know, I know I'm a better preacher than that guy they put up over there sometimes. They never asked me once. You would not be reading about him. Because that's unfaithful. How many know talking behind people's backs is unfaithful? Slandering people's unfaithful. Isn't it? It's unfaithful. And what does unfaithful mean? Unfaithful means unqualified. Not qualified. Is this a core of some issues in the church? See, people just want to focus on God's part. They just want to camp on abounding in blessings. All these things added to me. But we don't have to think about God's part. He's going to do his part if we'll do our part. You see what happened? Shortly after this, Stephen, full of faith and power, you know that uh, some things came up and and he was uh, attacked verbally and he stood up and the Spirit of God came on him and man, he preached Genesis to wherever they were at that time, (laughs) didn't he, by the Spirit of God and it made them so mad, they stoned him and he went out in power as a martyr of the Lord. And even though some have not seen that, that's one of the greatest honors you could have. Isn't it? Yes. And what happened? What do we know? He had to have been faithful, serving tables and delivering food. This other brother, Brother Philip, go over to the eighth chapter. Let's read about him a little bit. Here's another one. Got started the same time he did on the food truck. (laughs) Isn't that right? Where'd Stephen's ministry begin? Help me out. On the food truck. Philip's ministry. Where did it start? I mean, we're still talking centuries later about the amazing, powerful ministries of Stephen and Philip, aren't we? Where'd they get their start? On the food truck. (laughs) 
on the food truck. <laughs> but they must not have looked at it like it was just the food truck. Yeah, that's good. Otherwise, we wouldn't be reading about it. It's the Lord's food truck. Oh, we got to keep the Lord's food truck clean. Right? It's the Lord's meals on wheels. <laughs> so we got to get the food hot. It's got to be there delivered. Right? And we can't let the beans mix in with the corn. And we can't take the curve too fast. Come on, are you listening? We can't spill the soup. It's the Lord's truck. It's the Lord's meals. It's the Lord's money. We can't waste one of them. How many understand? I know it sounds a little humorous, but they had to have this kind of mentality. Or otherwise, they wouldn't have been faithful. And if they hadn't have been faithful, they wouldn't have been promoted. If you're not faithful in the natural things that are not true riches, you're not going to be given true riches. Were they allowed to handle true riches? Revelation, the power of God, the anointing of God, healings, miracles. Who gets to handle true riches? People that are faithful in the natural stuff. It is written. In the book of Acts here, Philip, who a couple of chapters ago was driving the food truck. Right? Okay, food cart. (laughs) Same deal. Now we see him and there's some amount of time has passed between chapter 6 and chapter 8. We don't know how long he was on the food cart. What did the psalmist say? I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Right? In the house of the Lord. What is that? That's somebody that values the things of God. I realized those 15 years that this would have been after five already that I stayed with Brother Hagin's ministry because I feel like we were supposed to. And there were times that I had invitations back at my office that I couldn't get to. And I'm out on the road with him holding his jacket. And I'm not speaking that night. And I'm not getting, there's not an offering coming into the ministry. I'm driving the car or holding the briefcase. But not one time did I feel deprived or like I was being treated as less because I esteemed his call. And I realized if this is where I'm supposed to be, then I'm doing more for the kingdom holding this man's coat. Do you believe this or not? Then if I was somewhere else preaching out of the will of God, out of the perfect will of God. It's about being in your place. It's about having the right heart. It's about being faithful. Isn't it? And what is faithfulness? One of the most basic definitions is doing exactly what you're told with a good heart. Doing exactly what you're instructed to do and being glad about it. Happy to be there. And looking back now, Phyllis and I talk about it all the time. Oh, I'm so glad we didn't miss a day of that. Every day we learn something new. We, we were enriched. Everything we're doing today, God trained us for it during those times and, and put it into us. And I'm so glad we didn't, you know, get ego and get this and that. Do you know you're not supposed to be led by opportunities? Well, this is a great opportunity. I don't make it God. 
Or somebody told me I could come take this church. Or I could come be their song leader. I could do this. That does not make it God. Don't be led by opportunities. Don't be led by needs. Be led by the Spirit of God on the inside. Only internally led and directed. I'm so glad we didn't jump out because we would have missed out. Philip, verse 5, we see him years later. And he's not driving the food cart. He's going down to the city of Samaria and preaching Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things which Philip said. Hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. We see possessed people delivered. Paralyzed people healed. Lame people healed. God's using this man. Isn't he? What was he doing a couple of chapters ago? He's on the food cart. Do you think he was faithful with the food cart? How many think he had to He had to have been faithful on the food cart? He's handling... It's hot, it's dusty, it's hot in the kitchen, it's hot when you're loading and unloading, or cold. It ain't all glamour. And nobody see, your name's not on anything. It's not on the food cart. It's not on the tinfoil. It's on nothing. A lot of the folks in the church, they don't even know your name. You're just the boy that brings the food. And you got to be happy about that or else your heart's not right because it's the Lord's food cart. It's not just a food cart. It's the Lord's food cart. And if you don't feel that way, you don't qualify. I know when I was there in Brother Hagin's ministry of healing class, 1981, he announced that they were going to open the next year a prayer and healing center. That was spring of 1982. And that they were going to train people to minister healing. And he went, he'd go into talking about it. And boy, when he said it, I thought, oh, mama, wouldn't that be something? Ooh. And I looked around and the room was full of hundreds of people. And I thought, Phew, I guess everybody <laughs> would want to do that too. And, uh, he don't know me, and I've been here a few months. And But anyway, wouldn't that be something? Wow-wee. And in about whatever it was, almost a year or so, they picked two people to start helping them. I was one of them. Glory to God. I tried to act cool, but I thought I was a cat that got the canary, ma'am. I mean, I mean, I was just like, I was just about to blast off, like, you know. And you know what I did? They didn't ask me to come preach. I lined the chairs up. I wrote down people's information and passed out books and set up the overhead projector. I pulled the screen down. <laughs> I toted offering buckets. And then, of course, we'd take them down and set them back up. Take them down, set them back up. And then after a while of that, they said they wanted somebody to stay afterwards. And if somebody wanted to talk about getting saved or being filled with the Spirit, that you could be there and share scriptures with them. So we did that. And then one thing led to another. One thing led to another. Eventually, he allowed me to oversee some of that. Eventually, they asked us to teach at the uh, school to be a, a teacher there at Ramah. I had somebody come ask me one time. They said, uh, 
Brother Keith, how'd you believe to get to be a teacher at Ramah? I said, I didn't. I didn't. I got a directive three months after I got there. Help Brother Hagen. That was my directive. And I figured if his pencils needed sharpening, I'm your man. If we need this passed out, you know, whatever it might be, uh, the Lord didn't tell me that this or that. Job description. You got to watch out for that one. What's my job description? (laughs) Help me. That's it. (laughs) That's not in my job description. That's how you, that's how you can be unfaithful and disqualify. Say, what, what is that? People got that from the world. They brought that in from the world. <laughs> Whew, do I say that? Let's talk about Philip some more. <laughs> Philip went down to the city of Samaria. He preached. And we saw miracles. And verse 39. When they were come up out of the water. Supernaturally. He's being led by the spirit. He's impacting people who have the ear of the uh, queen in another country all the way up to the highest authority in the land. And when he gets through baptizing in verse 39, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. He's translated. He's tapping in to the powers of the world to come. Isn't he? He's preaching by the anointing. He's seeing thousands getting saved. He's experiencing amazing manifestations of the power of God. Tell me how he started. Help me out. Tell me. Tell me where was he? Where was he? Food truck. He was on the food truck. How many can picture him though? How many can see Philip? Was he late getting to work? Was he sloppy? No. We see Philip out there, 6.30 sharp. Right? His food truck's clean. His food truck is loaded in an orderly fashion. He's efficient. Right? People get their meals hot and on time. They don't know who he is, but they like that boy. Right? Because ever since Philip took over the route, they don't miss a day. Ever since Philip took over the route, they don't go hungry. Come on, can you get the big picture now? Somebody else is watching Philip. Somebody else is watching Philip when he rolls out of bed before daylight. When he gets down there and he's always on time and he all who else come on, tell me who else is watching what Philip is doing with this food truck. And what does the Lord say? That's somebody I can add to. I'm going to give him some more. And he gave 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 him an assignment to go to Samaria. And he did that so well until God decides his time is valuable to me. And he spares him 
from taking long dusty trips and just puts him over here. And why? Because he's got somebody that'll do what he says, when he says it, the way he says it. Won't change it, won't gripe, won't bellyache. Come on, are you listening? He has found himself a faithful man. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. And that kind of man is going to abound and overflow in blessing. That kind of man's going to be used of God. That kind of man or woman's going to be blessed and a blessing. And it's going to get stronger and stronger and greater and more as long as they keep being faithful. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Oh, lift up your hands. Let's lift up our voices. Let's tell the Lord we are so thankful that He is who He is. That He is the faithful God. He is the way. Lord, the way you are, we're so glad you're that way. We're so glad you're the faithful God. And and we want to be just like you. You have put your nature and love in our heart. And the Spirit, same Spirit that's that was in Jesus and on Jesus and in these men we read about that were faithful, that same spirit is on us and in us and so we can be also faithful ones. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.